You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Hi, this is Blake Smith, the host of Monster Talk. We're still officially on hiatus, but this is a brief special episode with Ben Radford talking about a project he's working on called Undead Apocalypse, a board game. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Hey there, Blake. Hey, let me get the cobwebs off my microphone. <laughs> I hear you, man. It feels uh, feels feels a little weird to be back in the saddle again. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a special edition of Monster Talk. I'm I'm still on uh, my self-imposed hiatus uh, for uh, work stuff. Uh, you know. Not to turn this into a commercial, but if you were to go buy something at www.officezilla.com, it would certainly help me. <laughs> we're actually getting some great sales. We picked up some new accounts, and I'm, I'm actually really happy with our progress. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it would awesome. help. It would help if uh, uh, people bought some stuff. It's great. So that being said, Ben, what have you been up to? I, I got this link with this undead apocalypse thing. What is this? <laughs> What what is this wacky wacky stuff? <laughs> that is uh, that's uh, a project that's been uh, eating up my soul and nights and weekends for the past uh, past few months. It's basically a uh, a follow up to my board game, which uh, you and and many other people know about. In fact, I know you you know about it because you were you were there at the beginning. You were you actually you and me uh, were there uh, uh, with uh, my first board game playing gods at Dragon Con and a table and everything. That's true. So now you say it's a follow-up, so it's not a sequel. 
No, 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 not a sequel. I mean, you know, playing gods, you know, if, for those who don't know, it was subtitled uh, The Board Game of Divine Domination. And it was uh, basically a satire of religious warfare. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, this was not going to be sold at Walmart <laughs> anytime soon, uh, nor any, anywhere else where there, any, anyone might potentially get offended. I, I actually spent uh, about nine months trying to get into Spencer Gifts and finally uh, got shot down. But um, no, this one has nothing to do with religion or satire per se. Uh, this one is uh, it, it has some sort of similar themes. It's basically about um, about uh, zombies and werewolves and vampires and and uh, post apocalyptic humans. And it's so it has a sort of a similar theme. It's it's for uh, two to four players uh, all you know battling it out to for control of what's left of the earth. What year? What year is this set in? 2060 uh was uh was apparently it was we were, we're trying to pick a time you know 2050 seems a little cliched so i for some reason we thought that another another 10 years wouldn't be cliched so first of all let me just say that uh i like the website um and the the sculpt model the the pictures i've seen for what you're going to be doing with the artwork is beautiful yeah, thanks. I mean, that was that was one of the things that I was really uh, I was really wanting to do because uh, you know with that was one of the real selling points for playing gods was we had these awesome miniatures. I mean, these really you know the the Buddha with the chain gun, uh, the badass Buddha of enforced enlightenment, as we call him. Uh, that the you know everybody loves the Buddha with the chain gun. I mean, how can you not love that? Um, you, I even had Buddhists come up to me and say, "Dude, that's really cool." Um, no, the, 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 no, the the playing gods artwork was fantastic, and the, uh, the the miniatures. I mean, the game itself was a lot of fun too. I don't want to knock the game; it was great. Sure. And uh, people could still buy that game. Yeah, the game's still out. Uh, it's you can get it on Amazon.com. Uh, you can get it at some independent game stores uh, here and there. You can get it through me. You can contact me through uh, BenjaminRadford.com. Um, I'm around, but yeah, there, I, I, there's still a few of those left. And to be honest, I, I wasn't really that excited about sort of jumping back into the board game business. <laughs> that wasn't sort of my lifelong dream or anything. Um, but you know, it, I sort of was kicking around the idea for it and we can talk a little bit more of that later if you want. But, uh, I just said, Hey, you know, why not, why not sort of explore something different and sort of go in a, in a monster direction. And so that's, that's what we did with it. And, uh, and I actually had the same sculptor. Who did the figurines uh, for for playing gods? Uh, also created these miniatures for Undead Apocalypse, and they're just just these awesome. And these things are the, the size; they're fifty two millimeters high, so they're basically the size of a, of a wooden matchstick. Um, and they're just incredibly detailed, and they're just they're just so awesome. And I've had some people like, "Oh my god, I want those!" So those are that that'll be a nice uh, nice bonus. Yeah. So uh, we'll put links to the show notes for your previous game and the Undead board game. Uh, and so. I see you've got a website for the Undead board game, and how does that tie into Kickstarter? Or are these two separate uh, links? How does that work? Yeah, that's actually a good question. It's it's a little not confusing, but it's uh, for the people who haven't sort of navigated through it. Basically, um, the the, un- the Undead Apocalypse is just the game that we're. It's actually me and a couple other guys, and we've also hired artists and and uh, game designers to to help out as well because I. Uh, you know, playing gods was basically a one-man operation. I did that essentially by myself, with you know, with, with help from other people that I hired to do it. But, uh, but with with Undead Apocalypse, I actually managed to uh, get other people who are who are invested in it and helping helping to do that. And so, basically, the the way this works is that um, uh, I have 30 days to raise fifty thousand dollars, which will cover the cost to create and produce and ship out fifteen hundred games. 
Um, and so the way the Kickstarter works is that uh, people who are interested in, in the game, uh, supporters can pledge any amount between a dollar and, and $10,000, and you get different rewards, ranging from a version of the game that they can print and play on their own to a fully produced box board game. So basically, you're, you're essentially, you know, at a certain level, I think $40 or $50, you're basically just you know, agreeing to buy the game ahead before it's out, and you're investing in actually making it. Uh, and we also have a section of my books and custom artwork and lots of cool stuff like that. But the, the really cool thing about crowdfunding is that if I can't raise enough money um, to make the game, then anybody who pledges doesn't pay at all. So there's no credit cards or charge. So basically it's either there's, – there's really no risk. I mean either the game funds and it's a go and the game's being made or if we don't reach that level, then nobody's charged. Everybody goes home. <laughs> I've spent a hell of a lot of time and money on it. Uh, but people can go to kickstarter.com uh, and type in Undead Apocalypse in the search area to find my project. Or they can they can link to, uh, you know, there I'll be post- posting updates on my Facebook page and elsewhere. Uh, or the the, uh, the the name of the site is undeadboardgame.com. So there's there's lots of different ways. And, you know, I'm hoping to... I'm hoping people will, will check it out and hopefully be interested in it. And, and you know, even even if board games aren't your thing or even if zombies and monsters aren't your thing, and frankly, if, if you're listening to, to Monster Talk, then I don't know you, I don't know why you're listening. <laughs> if, if, if monsters and zombies aren't your thing. But, but even if it's not, um, all I would say is uh, maybe you have friends who are, uh, who are interested in that. And, you know, even if, even if that's not really your bag, uh, you know, the, the real thing is the trick is just getting it out there. And just telling people about it because uh, there are people who say, hey, you know, I've never heard about that. And, yeah, you know, here's 30 bucks or here's 50 bucks or whatever. And uh, that's all it takes. Now, I noticed that you partnered with a, a couple of guys called the Trouble Brothers. Yes, so, yes, I did. So what's their role in all this? They, they've been nothing but trouble for me. Um, no, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm joking. No, it's, uh, it's actually uh, a couple of game designers in Seattle, um, uh, Steve Shippard and Jeff McCord. And they're, they, I've been working with them on, on a couple angles. One is the game design aspect. Um, you know, I, I created uh, Playing Gods more or less by myself. I did have, you know, input from other people and playtesters, whatever else. Uh, but Undead Apocalypse, um, I'm thinking, is probably going to have an even more improved uh, game mechanic. Uh, these guys are both professional game designers. Uh, they've, they've done... Uh, they've they've done they brought you know games to market. They've done Sword of Fargo. They've done a couple others, and so these are these are two guys that uh, I've been sort of going back and forth with. So uh, I've basically been revising and rewriting the rules uh, <laughs> dozens of times uh, over the past uh, six months, and I'll I'll write them. Hey, this is a cool idea. I'll send it to them, and I'll get back a I'll get back a, a document with a bunch of red on it. <laughs> <laughs> they'll say, well, we like this, we don't like this, and then so I'll, you know, I'll try it again, and I'll, you know, get excited about, oh, well, what if we had this? And then they say, oh, yeah, we like that, we don't like that. And it's been a lot of uh, sort of uh, two, two steps forward, one step back. But uh, but by now, again, we've been working on it for, for several months now, and we have a, a pretty solid game mechanic. And I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, we're still tweaking it. It's not totally final. And in fact, what we're hoping is that people, uh, because they can print and play the game, uh, before the Kickstarter campaign ends, they can actually give us ideas and suggestions. Uh, so again, the game is not 100% locked down. You know, we're we're pretty sure about 95% of it. There's a couple little tweaks here and there. Um, and so, if people are interested and they're they're game players, um, you know, 
pledge a couple bucks, uh, get you know, download a copy of the game, uh, and if you have suggestions, um, let us know. We might even do something with it. I've added Jeff Zorno. Jeff, are you on? Yes, I am. Can you guys hear me okay? I can. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Jeff's a longtime listener of Monster Talk and a kick-butt artist. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Blake uh, and Ben. Uh, it's an honor to actually appear on uh, Monster Talk after listening to it for so many years. Uh, yeah, always been a huge fan of the show. So, you know, I find it immensely uh, fascinating to listen to. So, so Jeff's actually uh, your art tends towards the macabre. I've got um, down here in my basement. I've got the uh, some of your work from the uh, uh, zombie film uh, Z O M B I. Uh, the shark versus zombie, really great artwork. And then, so uh, how did you get involved with this project with Ben? I'm trying to remember now. Actually, Ben just uh, reached out to me uh, through email and was uh, told me he was working on some game project that dealt with vampires and werewolves and zombies, and was you know, wanted to know if I was interested in doing um, character designs that would be turned into figurines, which I had never actually done anything like that before. But had my you know illustrations turned into some sort of three D representation, so. Uh, you know, I was all for it. I don't know how the sculptor did it, but his his uh, 3D work looks really very much like a, uh, a 3D picture made out of your 2D pictures. Yeah, yeah, I was I was incredibly impressed, especially with the the scale. They're, you know, because they're like uh, you know about the size of like a, a Warcraft lead figure or something like that. Or, uh, Warcraft Warhammer. Um, but yeah, they were very cool. So yeah, that, that's and that, that's why basically I, you know, I we'd had we had some art done, um, and we had we basically had the zombie locked down, uh, but then uh, the, part of that fell through, and I'm I'm trying, you know, we're trying to find someone like what about what about Zorno? <laughs> like he does some awesome stuff, and and you know, actually Blake and I had talked about had talked about you before, and I was like, well, he I'm sure he's busy. He's probably you know he's probably doing all sorts of stuff and like well i figured it couldn't hurt to ask and uh and i was just delighted that he's you know he was a real trooper he jumped right on it and uh and basically what I, what i had him do was to sketch the front and the back of the same figure in the same pose and then send it off uh to our sculptor in in, in georgia the republic of georgia not <laughs> not, not the state of georgia and he did these uh, really uh, detailed stuff, and it was, uh, but it, it was really cool to, because I, I gave I gave Jeff some art direction on on the kind of zombies and the you know, the kind of werewolves and vampires and stuff. But then he really brought his own his own uh, his own spin to it, which I liked. So Jeff, when you were making these, what was your inspiration for the different characters? Uh, well, uh, first part I guess of inspiration is just taking the art direction uh, that Ben gave me. And, uh, and yeah, just trying to have uh, fun with it. You know, like he said, putting my own spin into it. Um, I, I just had to design uh, a vampire, a werewolf character, and a uh, human, you know, um, sort of like a post-apocalyptic character. The, the vampire was, well, the vampire was pretty darn easy. He just, I remember him saying something like, we kind of wanted to look a little bit like Nosferatu-ish, but, you know, different and whatever, spinly. And uh, so been doing horror stuff for a long time so yeah yeah <laughs> kind of threw a vampire together that i thought looked really cool oh, he looks good he looks like kind of a combination between nosferatu with the max shrek version or maybe uh barlow from uh uh the stephen king's uh, salem's lot a little bit yeah and threw some like uh like kind of like a bat like nose on him sort of like a splitting piggy thing and uh you know some pointy ears some crazy big you know hands with really long spider-like fingers and stuff 
yeah that was that was awesome i i i I was like so happy when i saw that i'm like oh man this is so cool i mean the the the, you know the the messed up face and uh and i really liked what you did with the with the jaws and in the nose and stuff and we're gonna have um we're gonna have some uh pictures uh some some of jeff's art uh on the website and also the sculpts you you can see exactly what they did with it, and it was I mean both both Jeff and the sculptor Lasha did amazing work on it, and, and then of course the the werewolf, uh, you know, uh, talk about the werewolf. Well, the werewolf, yeah, the werewolf was probably the most fun one to do. I I've always been you know, huge into werewolves uh, since I was a kid, and um, uh, I've done a couple of my own werewolf comics in the past and stuff, but uh, uh, yeah, just you know, uh, took again, just took uh, ben, Ben's uh, art directions, which. You know, weren't a whole lot. They just he just didn't want like uh, the werewolf to look too diesel uh, strong, but not like you know uh, some ripped Incredible Hulk werewolf. <laughs> no, it's, so, it's uh, nice. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, and so yeah, I just tried to draw like some really brutal pose of uh, you know werewolf, like uh, maybe he was in the middle of uh, like sort of like a, a fight uh, pose where he might. Uh, I have him hunched way over with his with his arms splayed out by, behind him as if he had just sort of done like an X formation, like slashing maneuver with his claws and then immediately mm-hmm. leaned in for like a huge like gut uh, area bite with his jaws. So it was sort of like a, a one, two, three, like combo thing. <laughs> yeah. It looks like his teeth yeah. are a fearsome weapon. I mean, it really, he looks like a, well, he's, first of all, he's a wolf man for our uh, radio style listening here. <laughs> We're sitting there describing art that we've yeah, all he's, seen. He's a so. humanoid. <laughs> Uh, but he's definitely got wolf features uh, with a long snout, big, big teeth. Uh, looks really and actually. Je- Jeff, I was going to say, Jeff actually created, in- included a really cool detail that I I had never even thought of, which is uh, I don't know if it I don't know if it came through in the sculpt because again the sculpt is is, is small, um, but the, uh, the the his art had sort of a human mm-hmm. ear inside this wolf ear, which was just so cool. Like that is <laughs> awesome. I love that. Yeah, oh yeah, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, that just drew the inside of the wolf's ear to look like the inside of a human ear, which did look really kind of creepy and cool. What do the players play? Like, how do, how do you actually play, and, and how many people does it support, and what, what what are the actual mechanics of the game like? Is well, it what's like, going on? Yeah. What's happening? What's going? <laughs> what the, what's going on? Yeah, and actually, it's it's kind of cool because uh, I, I I when we were doing I I I wanted Jeff to know some about it. Obviously, he's never played the game. Uh, most people, you know, almost nobody has except for our test players. And so, it, but it, it 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 was important to me that he understand the background. It was almost it was almost like directing the act in a film. Uh, I wanted him to understand where his character fit in the context of all this. So it so it sort of you know, had a context. It wasn't just you know of a werewolf stuck in the middle of nowhere. And basically the, uh, the, the scene is, uh, it's 2060. It's after world war three. And basically the, you know, it's post-apocalyptic nuclear devastation, all these sorts of things, you know, bad, bad situation. And, uh, but, if, but for whatever reason, either radiation or toxins or supernatural wrath or whatever, these ancient evils arise. Uh, these, you know, former, formerly human figures, the, the zombie werewolf and vampire, and they all emerge in, from this wasteland, and they're preying on what's left of humanity. So you have these these these, these bands of humans, sort of Mad Max type, was the was the icon that jumped into my head. 
uh, and they're all these these four these four groups are battling it out, and the the figures that uh, that, that Jeff drew and we had sculpted represent the, the leaders of these different these four clans. So you actually have these you know 52 millimeter tall uh, um, sculpted miniatures. And of these, and so these represent the the leaders of each clan, and and basically they're battling it out. And each of the different, uh, each of the different, I mean, the the title is is Undead Apocalypse, and as as somebody pointed out to me, technically, uh, werewolves aren't undead. I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Although it depends on the folklore you look at, but yeah, all right, fair. And the humans aren't either, but it's again, you you got to have a little license here. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose, it kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Um, but so you have all these different figures, and and they're they're battling it out, and. Uh, and not only do they have each of them, each of them have their own characteristics. So, for example, um, you know the werewolves uh, have especially strong attacks, and uh, the vampires are especially good at turning, basically turning them into their own kind. Uh, you have movement benefits, um, def- defense benefits, things like that. And so, each of them really plays very much their own their own character. And so, I wanted to have them to have their their, their own little attacks, uh, you know, that are unique to the characters, but also be able to use chainsaws, machine guns, you know. So, so it, in in Undead Apocalypse, you can have a vampire using a, a machine gun against you, and you can have a zombie, uh, you know, uh, turning tables with a chainsaw on your head. Um, so, I, I like sort of playing with the, this sort of mashup. 
Uh, and then on top of that, um, I included uh, the the notion of grimoires. Um, you know, I've always been interested in in magic books and and you know, monsters and lore and stuff. Uh, going back to you know the, the golem uh, of Jewish lore, you have the, this this special scroll that was inserted into the golem, or golem that that brought it to life basically. And so um, I was reading a really good book by Owen Dav- Owen Davies called Grimoires last year that came out. Just really interesting, mm-hmm. fascinating book and. And that sort of inspired me to to have another element to this. Not only are these these different clans, these different factions battling it out, but each of them has a, has their own magic book. And there's basically two parts to the magic book, and you have to have uh, you have to gather your different reagents. And so you have uh, each of the each of the different characters has reagents that are specific to them. And so I would I would I drew a lot from from monster folklore and from just general lore, because you know that's this is what I love. I mean, this is. This is this is what this is what I get off on is really learning about these things and so uh, so for example you know I, I have the, um, the 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 vampires uh, their their reagents are holy water and garlic and for zombies it's zombie powder and salt and uh, the werewolves are are silver and wolfsbane things like that and so I wanted to really bring in a lot of the the, the genuine folklore into the game because uh, that that was important to me that. You know, I'm not going to pretend this is a learning experience. <laughs> you know, like educational kids six to twelve, um, but it's definitely it's definitely meant to to steep people in in that lore and stuff. And so, so again, you have these four different characters. They all have these substances that are found in in the world uh, that they're vulnerable to, uh, and they can collect these in order to to assemble the the two halves of their magic book, their grimoire, and that's part of the mechanics of the game. And, and when then- you can do that, you get especially powerful. I was gonna say in the humans, it's. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Hold on, hold on, I got it. Hold on, it's um, TiVo and McDonald's. Oh, good one. <laughs> I was totally going to say something about like Burger King or. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like just completely wiped them out with TiVo and McDonald's, right? <laughs> no, no, that's the, no you, that, and you know, it's interesting you bring that up because you know this was this was sort of the interesting wrinkle in terms of the game design that that I and the other the other gamers the other game designers came up with was. How do we deal with the humans? Because ultimately, I mean, they're they're in in some ways they're the least interesting because <laughs> they're not zombies, they're not werewolves, and not vampires, but they are they are what those things can become if bitten and things like that. And so, these other creatures had their own inherent folklore and their inherent reagents. Humans didn't really have that, and so I had to try and think of something that that might sort of substitute for it. And so, uh, I I chose hemlock. Because hemlock is a natural substance, it's sort of a classic poison, uh, you know, and and so hemlock uh, is one of them, and the other one is iodine, uh, which is uh, which is a little sketchier, I'll admit, um, although it actually ties in with the post-apocalyptic theme because iodine uh, is used um, to prevent uh, radiation. Uh, That's right. Poisoning. Yeah. So it's sort of uh, you know it's not a matter of playing with those and trying to see where where you can where you can go with it. Very fun. So how long is playtime? Well, the playtests we're doing so far are usually coming in between about 45 minutes and an hour and a half. So um, for my friends, that's three hours. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, it's, again, we're, we're, we're still working. You know, we've got the mechanics pretty much nailed down. They're about 90, I would say 95% of the way there. We're still tweaking a little bit, and that's what we wanted to do. Because, again, this is, it's a game in progress, and we're hoping that people will get interested in the game and playtest it and give us some suggestions. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to go back to square one. 
But if people have ideas and they play test, they say, hey, what about this? What about that? Uh, we're happy to we're happy to do that. So that was um, that that was an important part of the game. Hey, hey, Jeff, since you're on the line, I, I just what um, you, you draw a lot of zombies and uh, rotting corpses. What's your favorite type of zombie movie? Like, what's your your favorite? Well, yeah, I was just about to say I absolutely do draw a lot of zombies, especially right now. I'm in the last issue of uh, this uh, um, war zombie apocalypse comic book I've been doing with uh, some friends of mine at Image Comics called uh, 68 Jungle Gym. And uh, the third issue should be out this Wednesday, and uh, the fourth issue will be out a month later, and that'll be the last of this mini series. But uh, yeah, it's one of the craziest zombie. Uh, things I've done yet. It's basically uh, the zombie apocalypse in 1968, but from the perspective of the Vietnam War. And so we just basically were taking the two most hardcore things we could think of, Vietnam and uh, the zombie apocalypse, and mixed it together. Wow. <laughs> awesome. But, uh, yeah, to answer the what, what is my favorite type of like zombie, I mean, um, of course, everybody loves George Romero's uh, zombie flicks. Um, I mean, I'm particularly fond of Night of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead. Not so much Dawn, like everybody's favorite, but I, I love Day and I love Night just for their absolute, uh, um, just the grimness of them. They are brutal <laughs> movies. They really are. Yeah. yeah. But my favorite zombie movies of all time, um, they, they, I have two that are constantly in battle for the number one spot. And it's either Lucio Fulci's Zombie, also known as Zombie 2, which where the, the famous zombie versus shark battle comes from. And um, uh, children shouldn't play with dead things. Oh, there you! Wow, dude, that movie is. I so remember that awesome. one, man. <laughs> Did they do a remake of that, or am I losing my mind? I, think uh, I don't think so, but I think I think people have talked about doing a remake, but I don't think one is actually. Happened. That's the problem. I used to read a lot of Fangoria, and you know anything that's even vaguely in production would show up in the news somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. you see a lot of rumors. I have okay. to keep following up. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm I always cite I always cite children shouldn't play with dead things as uh, one of my favorite zombie movies simply because the the scene where the, all the zombies finally are resurrecting from the graveyard is absolutely one of the coolest looking and coolest shot uh, you know zombie resurrection scenes I've ever seen in a zombie flick and and I loved all the makeup for the zombies in that movie they just all look really really you know just you know awesome and, and spooky and again, you can't you can't. Uh, deny the awesome uh, 70s guard with all the cast members in that movie either. It was like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's like 75 or 76, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, oh man, I absolutely love it. When, when I was a little kid uh, living in Detroit, we used to have like a thriller double feature, which is like, you know, uh, double feature monster flicks on Saturdays. The, the intros and uh, commercial breaks for it uh, would play the, the psychedelic part of Led Zeppelin's Whole Lot of Love with the... <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of scenes just flashing at you from children shouldn't play with dead things. So there is that little part of it that's connected to my brain that just makes me think of like fond childhood stuff. But yeah, that movie just rocks. <laughs> that's fun. I, 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 I'm a big fan of the zombie movie from Fulci too. The, um, uh, I, I was watching it the other day. They, it came out on Blu-ray and they were talking about the secret special effects trick they used to make the zombies, <laughs> which was apparently just clay. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, top secret, cutting edge. Yeah, no, but it's dude. It it looked really good. It did. It looked fantastic, and and people were like, well, "How did you make it? What's the secret?" And I think they were embarrassed or something. You know, it was they slapped some gray clay on the people when it dried, it crumbled, and it looked like yeah. rotting flesh and dirt. And it's, yep. it's, it's a there's an amazing movie. 
uh, the, the worm-eyed zombie from the cover is kind of a horror icon, really. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, you know, fun movie. Also kind of a downbeat. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> There's not a lot of cheerful zombie movies. I mean, maybe Zombieland. Uh, well, you know, Dawn of the Dead has that superhero ending. <laughs> well, it does. Which is sort of why I always just, like, get so, yeah. like, ah. Uh. <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind that as much as I mind the weird slapstick uh carnival when the bikers come into the mall you know oh yeah well there's actually a lot of like kind of just goofy aspects throughout that whole movie yeah it, it could be trimmed yeah. <laughs> he played so much on like you know uh like you know society's fascination with you know how cool would it be to actually take over a mall yes, all yourself yes. and just he got way too into that yeah it, 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 but i mean shoot when i was a kid that was like one of my big fantasies i you know well, fun, yeah. you know, just uh I, I, of course, that was the other thing is you don't see today, uh, and I remember this from the seventies was that the malls had gun stores, you know, yeah. like I don't you never see gun stores in the mall now. I don't remember that. No. Yeah, I, but I, I can't say I remember seeing gun stores in malls when I was a kid, but I definitely remember uh, a gun section at like Kmart and stuff when I was little. Yeah, hmm. so it's it's it, even I think even the Sears had removed the guns by the time okay. I was in late high school, early college. Uh, but they used to sell like there was a, a, a Osherman. It doesn't really matter what the brand name, what the, the store name was. But there was a big like my mall that I used to go to was called Cumberland Mall here in Georgia, and uh, it used to have. It, it felt very much like the mall from um, from uh, Dawn of the Dead. So I, I really liked that, and I, I fantasized a lot about that. I'm okay now, but <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of deep, deep, dark fantasies. You also don't ever see in the malls anymore. Um, uh, cigar stores, true, or like uh, Hickory Farms, like sausage shops. Yeah, they, they, those are. Yeah, they'll be like uh, seasonal. We have a seasonal Hickory Farm store, but yeah, that that uh, that it they it just looks so happy and 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 <laughs> it's so funny because they're in the mall and have everything, and then outside the mall, it's all going to hell or gone to hell. I don't know, but but I do like uh, Day of the Dead, and I like uh, Dawn of the Dead, and I like um, Night of the Living Dead. And but what what annoys me is the popularity of the "Eat Your Brains" meme because that only comes from the Return of the Living Dead movies, and those are seriously non canonical. That's a Dan O'Bannon thing. That's that's not really part of what I think zombies should be like in. Well. in I think in the '80s when the, those movies, well, at least when the first one came out, it was just so darn popular, and it was just—I think everybody just caught on to just being able to moan brains. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> know. know. It was like a catchy kind of thing. It's you know, we the, the, the video games now. Was, it's 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 caught on. I mean, even like the the Joko song, uh, you know, uh, "Re Your Brains," uh, yeah. which I'll probably stick on the end of this. It, it's, it's got a Creative Commons license. But uh, I mean, I love that song. It's funny, and I love it in, in video games because it is creepy as hell. If you're playing a game and you hear the zombies walking around saying "brains," it's creepy. It's just, I think it's more true to the spirit of the zombie, uh, well, the Romero style zombie slash ghoul that they don't talk; they just keep coming. You know. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, that was one of the things that I, I really enjoyed about about some of those were with the satire. Uh, you know, it wasn't just, you know, 
zombies coming at you. I mean, especially with the mall. I mean, there was this whole sort of subtext of, you know, consumerism and satire and social commentary that, that, you know, is it's, I want to say it's lost these days, but it certainly, uh, it certainly was clever to, 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 to be able to work uh, into it. Yeah. So I think we've actually done two, uh, zombie episodes of monster talk and, um, one on the ants and, in, in the, I guess what do you call it? Fungal. Yeah, or, I, I love that whole like zombie fungus. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, zombie fungus is amazing. We're behavioral modification from parasites. I guess is what I'm trying yeah, to. Say. I'm just waiting for someone to turn that into the next zombie like TV show or movie now. Yeah, it's, you know, it's after actually doing that show, I realized that my understanding of it was so wrong. Uh, the, no, same with me. But. It, it's so they're so slow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it, what I keep I, like in my mind, I imagine that like. Um, the zombie, like the ants, would just suddenly go. I must now climb and clip onto this leaf, and then a, you know, fungus will sprout on my head. Uh, and that's not really. It's it's actually they keep trying and keep trying, and eventually they clamp on, and then you know. But it's 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 still astonishing. Oh yeah. <laughs> but for for a movie, well, and I'll tell you something else that it, may, it reminds me of is uh, you know in H.P. Lovecraft they have the fungi from Yagath. And uh, and I thought it would be kind of cool to change them so that not only do they do their whole head in a brain, you know, brain in a jar, but that they all so could infect a human and take over their body. That'd be a great modification to those creatures. Uh, you you know what no one has brought up so far is is the the enormous contribution of the kiwi zombies. You know, I hadn't. But, Peter Jackson, bad taste, dead alive. Oh, oh my god! Oh, I thought you meant like the kind of kiwi zombies that would go into a a, 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 a smoothie. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Peter Jackson, bad taste. That's like hardcore, man. It's you no, know yeah. Kai Horo taking over zombie damage. Yeah, but, yeah. But is it bad taste? Bad taste was the one he did with the alien. Yeah, bad taste yeah. the alien. Brain dead. Brain dead. Yeah, brain dead. That's dead. right. That's the one we had the, uh, the right, dead alive, <laughs> dead alive <laughs> slash brain dead. Right. He had the had the spot the monkey that was uh, had a virus. Yeah, the monkey spittle. Yeah, yeah. And that was a creepy film. You know, it just goes to show you that you could have no budget and still make something very disturbing. So, <laughs> I mean. I just, it, Thought that movie was funny as hell. <laughs> it's, it's very funny, but it's also, I mean, the um, uh, the zombie baby I thought was a bit over the top. <laughs> that crossed the line for you, did it, Blake? No, I watched it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying <laughs> several times. I think the one that grossed me out was there's a scene. I think it was in Dead Alive where uh, where there's the zombies getting shot in the head. He's he's near some rocks and there's you know brains go everywhere and a crow comes down and nibbles on it. It was probably like eggs or something, but man, that was nasty. <laughs> the amazing thing to me is the uh, uh, since he's become uh, a very successful director, um, he has lost the ability to edit his films down to a manageable length. <laughs> Dude, I disagree. I disagree. I think Peter Jackson should be allowed to make 12-hour long movies if he needs to. Well, well he, he just did. I think that's what you I know. know. <laughs> I, I, I seriously cannot uh, – I cannot get bored 
watching extended versions of Lord of the Rings or, you know. Well, so I cannot wait to see the extended version of The Hobbit. <laughs> when The Hobbit's finished, you will live <laughs> I saw the theater, I was like, that was so excellent, but it just wasn't long enough. You're going to be able to sit end. down and read The Hobbit while somebody else sits down and watches the movies, and the reader <laughs> will finish first. <laughs> that was, it was actually kind of funny because I had not read The Hobbit in a good number of years. After I saw the movie, I was so stoked. I came home and started reading it again i think i read it in about another like two days like the first time i read it <laughs> it's a quick read it's a quick read it is it is and uh i'm i'm anxious i don't want to spoil anything for the listeners who haven't read it it's a great book but uh it's way different from lord of the rings and lord of the rings is a much more satisfying read i think but i think he's going to uh I, i'm really curious about how he's going to handle the ending because after rereading it i felt a little bit robbed um about. I, I I have a pretty good feeling. I know how I have a well. I I can I'm assuming I know how he's going to handle this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I don't want to spoil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we won't. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Zip it. Yeah, but I was going to say I've always thought of the Hobbit as more of like a condensed, almost uh, you know, version of Lord of the Rings, uh, but with the added uh, extra super bonus points of having a giant, uh, almost invincible dragon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So. Like that was something that Lord of the Rings seriously lacked was uh, a giant, nearly invincible dragon. It did, it did. I mean, the uh, the mounts of the Nazgul were, were pretty cool. Uh, yeah, but man, there are no dragons. Their heads off like it was nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no man will kill me. <laughs> Fair enough then. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay, so we got a Kickstarter going, and the uh, people will be able to get a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, the Kickstarter thing is going uh, again. It's just, it's just a, it's a cool game. It's got you know, like, like I said, vampires and werewolves and zombies all battling it out. And I tried to really bring in a lot of the, a lot of the folklore behind it. I mean, there's, there's other zombie board games like Zombie Side and stuff. Um, but uh, this, uh, this is I wanted to sort of do something different because it's again it's more of a mashup, you know, different different genres, different characters, uh, sort of putting it on this one place. And the board itself, it's sort of like Risk. The board itself is it's a it's a it's a map of Europe, and uh, there's ten regions in there, and they're basically battling it out to uh, to get these resources. There's different resources left over from from the the old world, um, and so there. I part of the original idea was and. I, I sort of got a little bit away from it, but it's still there. Uh, was the idea the idea behind uh, you know what did what did these these zombies and werewolves and vampires have? Well, they had magic. I mean that's that's part of their that's part of their nature. But humans don't have that, and so I tried to sort of bring in well, maybe the savior of mankind is science, uh, and it's scientists uh, that are that are really sort of saving the world and and. Uh, and um, you know, finding vaccines to turn these creatures back into human things like that. So, in the back of my head, I sort of liked playing with the whole science versus magic dichotomy. Um, but of course, in the, in this games, magic is real, um, and so I, I also wanted to have them have an access to to magic. And so it's uh, it's pretty cool. I, we also have different event cards, so each turn something different happens that affects all the players. And um, I don't know. I, I I think it's pretty cool. Hopefully, people will check it out. Um, even if they don't want to, you know, donate, uh, you know, just maybe tell a few people. Maybe, maybe your friends would like to. So it's, uh, and if, if you know, honestly, if the game goes somewhere, that's great. If it doesn't, um, that's fine too. I mean, I've, uh, I've, I've failed at things before. <laughs> I'll do it again. <laughs> um, but this is, it's kind of a fun thing, and I'm, I'm hoping it'll take off. Me too. I hope it does. I hope it works out well, well for you. And um, I, this again, this is not a real episode of Monster Talk. It's a special. 
that's a special. It's like it reminds me at this moment of a uh, what are those like those commercials on where it's like it seems like it's a show but it's really a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, uh, yes. since since I've got you here, yeah. What's your favorite monster? Well, uh, I've been anticipating this. <laughs> um, oh, cheater! Cheater! Definitely, my my favorite movie monster is uh, Godzilla, without a doubt. Uh, he's like my hero, uh, but my favorite like actual monster monster. Um, I, I, yeah, I bounce around a lot uh, lately. I'd have to say it's a toss up between either Chupacabra or Bigfoot, um, because you know if we were if either one of those were to be real, those would be pretty much the cooler ones. I think um, those are both respectable choices. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, but lately, though, I, and I, I post this on my Facebook, um, lately I've really been interested in kind of obsessing on uh, the Filipino sort of like witch vampire creature called the Aswang, which is sort of like this, uh, it's like a mix of like a, an amalgamous mix of like a witch and a vampire, but it can also like separate its body in half and like it has wings and fly and it has like this really long tongue that pierces you like a mosquito needle or whatever and uh yeah they're crazy <laughs> i would say Some of those asian creatures asian like, vampires and asian undead to me are fantastically interesting yeah exactly. Not, you know it, it makes the the european stuff seem kind of bland no absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it totally does Some of the creatures just they don't have a whole like slew of creatures that come out no. of but uh, the, the Philippines, but the ones they do are insane. Yeah, so I, we really need to do an episode on on some more of the Asian undead because they are. We do, we do. Uh, um, especially, uh, well, we obviously we have some some resources for that, but the uh, also we, we've got uh, uh, Darren Nash is going to come back and talk about Godzilla with us as soon as he can get his schedule straightened out. All right, well, thank you very much, guys. Monster talk. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Monster Talk. You've been listening to Blake Smith, Ben Radford, and Jeff Zorno discussing Ben Radford's new Kickstarter project, Undead Apocalypse. Monster Talk is produced with the assistance of Skeptic Magazine. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. Monster Talk will be back with real episodes, science-y episodes, very soon. Thank you for listening. that you can now subscribe to Skeptic Magazine digitally? Just grab our free Skeptic Magazine app, currently compatible with iOS, Android, PC, Mac, Kindle Fire, Kindle Fire HD, and BlackBerry Playbook. Head over to skeptic.com slash magazine slash app to find out more and download more of your favorite Skeptic content.